what God put on my heart this morning when Pastor David wanted me to do, talk about the tithes and offerings. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, we are to bring the tithe to the designated place of worship. This is our designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. I think this morning we've been honoring him, correct? Amen. And doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. And why does he do this? Because he wants us to put him first. He owns the money. He owns everything. It doesn't matter, you know, but he, he doesn't need your money. This is what he's after, your heart. Yes. Sheila and I learned this long time ago, years ago. We started giving and tithing and we didn't have it, did we? We just stuck, stuck, stuck out in faith and he stretched us. And then he led us into first fruits. And if you don't know about the principle of first fruits, we'll talk about that one day. We ain't got time today. But first fruits is very important with God. The increase of anything, you give it to him. He sanctifies it. He glorifies it. He keeps adding to you. Hey, am I right? He, we can't stop it. Once you understand he has your heart, he's got all of you. And that's what he wants anyway. So... There's uh, different ways to give up here in person, uh, text or online. There's the information to all the people up there on uh, the uh, line out there. And I'm going to pray the prayer. I won't pray Malachi 3. I'm not going to just read. I'm going to pray that over us, okay? God does not lie. He can't. We're living proof of what God's done in our life with tithing and giving, and we cannot outgive God. There's no way. I've seen it happen in our life. We sow in different places, don't we? We sow here, we sow in other ministries, we sow into people's lives giving, and God says, keep giving. He gives it right back to us. It's not all the ways, times, and money, but it's other ways, and it's amazing. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring all the tithes into your storehouse here. And you said, God, if you will, if we do this, not only you'll open the windows of heaven, you're going to pour out a blessing that we cannot contain, have enough room. He says, test me. So, Father, we're testing you today in the name and the shed blood of Jesus that you will rebuke the devourer, you'll open the windows of heaven, and you will call us blessed. And everybody around is going to call us blessed because given. I cannot talk you into giving. I can only tell you what the word of God says. He cannot fail. So, Father, we just ask you to glorify your name through the tithes and offerings. Bless his house and bless everything that you do. And thank you, God, for what you've already done today in this house <laughs> and what's coming. Oh, glory. The glory is coming. 
the glory is coming. So we just praise and thank you, Father, and just bless everything that happens here today. Be with Pastor David and just guard and guide his heart and his mind, Father God, and speak mightily through him in the power of the Holy Spirit. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can come up here and give your tithes in the baskets here, the love baskets. Somebody who's on the radio years ago, I don't get to hear him anymore. I think he's gone. I know he's gone, but he used to say, we're having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. Remember that? And uh, we're having a lot of fun. 
But we human beings should be having way more fun. Yes, sir. So that, I'm not sure I was in totally agreement with that statement, but, uh, well, we're going to have more stuff happen today. I just want to give a little uh, foundation of what I think is happening and so that we can walk out. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We always want to honor the Word. You know who the Word is, Jesus, so we honor the Word. But then one of our young men, Joshua, is going to come up, and he's going to share some things God's put in his heart. And some of our men are going to stand with him and um, young guys and uh, Scott. And, and then we're going to open up the altar. Listen, if you haven't been touched by what God is doing right now in our nation, this is the day. Yes. And uh, you, want to, you want to grab hold. You know that scripture over in Isaiah 64 says, The Lord will come down, rend the heavens. And it speaks about how God acts for those who wait for him. You know what that word wait means? doesn't mean just sit back and twiddle your thumbs and watch. It's part of waiting, obviously, but it means to have an expectancy. But also one of the Hebrew words is to ambush. That means when the Lord is walking by, it's almost like you're going to ambush him. Now, not, obviously, we can't ambush God, I know, in the natural sense. But the word means that, and so it's, you, you call upon him while he's near. You seek him while he may be found. Does that make sense? You know, when the Lord's showing up, don't, don't hang out at the malt shop. Run after the Lord because he's way better than any malt shop will ever be. And, uh, but anyway, Friday night was glorious around here. We're so grateful that we get to be a part of Devon and Georgia, and they're launching out into the turning the Trail of Tears into the Trail of Joy tour, and uh, we just appreciate their being ambassadors going to the nation and uh, trumpeting the sound of repentance and reconciliation and revival and unity. And, you know, we're just, we get to be with them. We're not going to be with them in person, but in prayer and, and rooting them on. They're going to go on a great tour across our nation from March all the way to September. And uh, so anyway, it's a glorious time. I'm thankful for those that are not just waiting, letting somebody else do it. They're arising and shining in this hour and saying, here am I, send me. How many of you are there? You got to be there. That's what this day is all about. It's what this season, because we really are in one of those Kairos moments, those opportune times. It may not come again. It may, I, you know, I'm, I don't know about that, but, but I know we're right now at a very important time in our history and it's time to grab hold of the Lord and just do what he says to do. I want to show you a scripture. And then I want to, because some of you, you've heard that Asbury is ending. I don't know. I haven't heard the latest. Maybe they beat them up and they're keeping going. I don't know what's happening. But I know it's not supposed, they are a college. This move of God is to be sweeping now into places that have been prepared to host his presence. A college is a college. You go there, you're supposed to learn about things they don't learn about anymore, but at Asbury they do. And uh, if we're praying and believing God, then these, all of these universities are going to get back in line, teach the things you're supposed to teach. Anyway, that's um, a big task for God. But how many of you know God's a big God? Amen. You know, these things today are huge that we're facing. But God is much bigger than all of them put together. 
Anyway, there's a scripture over in um, Isaiah. Let me see if I can find it. I got all kinds of scriptures marked. And, but I'm just going to be a short time. And then you're going to come, Joshua. You ready, aren't you? Our kids, you know God is moving among our kids in some amazing ways. It would have gone on and on and on Friday night, but, you know, and, and I don't know, every place will look different. We're not Asbury University. We're Moravian Falls, but how many of you know we've been handpicked? God has marked this place. I mean, last Sunday, I, I asked the Lord after, Lord, how do, you, how do you follow up things like that? You don't. You follow me. I'm the follow-up. You're the follow-up, Jesus. Yeah, that's not bad. He's the follow-up. Anyway, Isaiah 51, verse 9. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, as in the generations of old. Now, the title of this little time that I want to sow the word and uh, just share some things the Lord's given me, it really is from revival to awakening. Because we are in one of those Kairos moments. You know, it's an opportune time. It's a decisive moment for our nation. And how many of you know the nation's not going to fix the nation? It's the people of God. It's the royal nation. It's, it's the people that know their God that are going to be strong. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where they are today about ending whatever's happening. Maybe they're just restructuring over there in Asbury. But it's spread to many places. And it's supposed to spread to many places. Now, revival, it means you got to come alive. You were once a little bit more alive than you are, so there's a refreshing coming, and there's a quickening, and a reawakening, and a recovering of life, and a recovering of strength. How many of you know we all need that from time to time? You know, you, you know somebody said, we are leaky vessels, so you got to go be refilled every day. Somehow I remembered that, and so... I always pray, God, I pray, give me a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because I've been leaking out here lately, Lord, so I need more and more. And God is faithful. Now, there are many definitions of revival. It's a fresh sense of the presence of God. You know, not that maybe God was hiding, but our eyes were open. And the Lord is in the house. It's a hunger for closeness. Call upon him while he's near. It's a new love affair with Jesus. How many of you couldn't use a fresh love affair with the Son of God? And, and God wants to do that, but he also wants to open our eyes to how much he loves us. But I heard years ago a definition that to me marks what we're doing right now, what God is doing. And that is revival is a new beginning of obedience to God. It's a fresh start where you get off and you walk out and do what the Father's told you to do. Now, how many of you know revival is for the people of God? Awakening is for the masses. And what we need in this hour is more than revival. We need a great spiritual awakening to erupt across the nations of the earth. And I believe God wants to do it. Now, <clears throat> preaching's a mystery to me. I'm going to keep it that way until the day I retire. These guys were praying for me the other night. Somebody said, God, when he passes on, let somebody good race take his place. I said, gee, thank you, Lord. 
you know, I hope somebody good, but I'm not passing on until I, it's time. But I love, man, I can't wait to pass the mantles. I'm all into that. But this was amazing. You know, when was this in the first of January? I felt led to preach why God wants to move in revival. You, how many of you were here that day? And so we listed a bunch of reasons. Why would God move in this hour? The way that he really wants to move. Now, we were, you know, relating it to what God is doing in Central Africa and how God is using all of us in Uganda and the Congo and, and Tanzania and Rwanda and all those nations. It's continuing on. And uh, I want to tell you somebody, you know, we, Carla just mentioned that we were raising funds so that the host could have their own vehicle because they have to rent and it's getting very expensive and sometimes they're, it's just all kinds of stuff. Anyway, somebody donated $10,000 after that. Now, we lack about six to seven, but I'm going to believe God, thank you, you're going to take care of the rest of that and they don't have to just buy it to pay off. They're going to buy it because it's paid off in Jesus' name. But anyway, I want us to review a few of those things that we mentioned and then mention a few new things and then go from there. But why would God move in this hour? Why? Well, here's some things you'll remember. The first thing is over in Psalm 115. I just saw this this morning, something I had not seen before. Look over, Psalm 115 and uh, verse 1. Here's one of the reasons God wants to move and will move in this hour. And look at this. It says, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Now watch this. Why should the Gentiles or the nations say, so where is their God? Why should the heathen, why should the nation say, okay, you believers say you, your God is with you, show me. How many of you know they're saying that right now? Who do you, you've been telling us God is with you. Hey, I can see the state of our nation as well as you can. So you say God is with you, where is he? It's almost like they're saying, where is the Lord God of the American church? But then in verse, uh, it goes on the rest of that, verse 3, but. I like that word in the Bible. Somebody challenged me, it was a couple years ago before you guys came. They said, you should preach on the but gods. So I did. I looked up all the but gods. Man, there's a whole bunch of but gods. And I'm thankful for the but gods. And this is one of them. So the nations, they're saying, okay, where is your God? Well, look in verse 3. But. But our God is in, where is he? He's in heaven. He's exalted. And he does whatever he pleases. So the first thing, why would God move in this hour? Because he can do whatever he pleases. He didn't have to ask our permission. Anyway, he's God. I was on a phone call this week with Stephen List. You guys, some of you remember him. He's the man responsible for prophesying the revival that broke out in Fiji many years ago. And he went to Fiji. They called him and revival. The whole nation erupted anyway. Stephen will be back here sometime in March. But I was asking him, Stephen, what do we do? There's a wind blowing. God is moving. Do you, do you just say nothing? Do, how do you know? 
And he said, revival is like a warm blanket of the love of God. When that blanket's laid over you, you, you don't, hey, don't worry about what you're going to do or what you don't do. It's the blanket of heaven. And God just does what he wants to do. And then secondly, there's a biblical principle. Listen to this. Because I know some people have given up on the nation. Here's what the scripture says. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Now, did you hear that? How many of you know there's a lot of sin right now abounding in this nation and in all the nations? You don't have to pick America. You guys don't pick on us. You got your own share. But look what it says. Where sin abounds, grace much more. Romans 5.8, but God, here's another but God, demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How many of you had to clean up your act before God came in on the scene and changed the act altogether? How many of you? Now, we, how many of you came just as you were? Rotten, filthy, dirty, in the pit, needing a Savior. You see, the key is you got to acknowledge you need a Savior. And so that's why we don't let off or proclaiming the standard. You know, there's some teachings going around, you know, today that says, well, God gets us and all of this. Jesus gets us, and I know he does. He gets that we're lost, we're without hope, and we need a Savior, and that's why he went to die for us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not about you know, lowering the standard. It's raising the standard. I was on a call this week with the Black Robe Regiment. I told you I'm a part of that. It's the old-fashioned preachers that in the days of the revolution, they would preach, and then they would take off their robes, and they had their weapons, and, you know, they led their congregations in battle. And when we're leading, hey, listen, you're not going to win this battle today with those kind of weapons. We got to have weapons that are not of this world, and we have the greatest of the weapons so anyway, it's a new black robe regiment, but they were saying this. They said and, um, that every spiritual awakening that has ever happened, there was always a reemphasis on the bold preaching of the law of God that would lead the people straight to the Lamb of God. Did you hear that? You raise the standard of the law because the law is the tutor that brings us to Christ. You don't know you need a Savior till you realize how you're bound up, destined for an eternal separation on your way to hell, but Jesus died so that you can escape the punishment and have every eternal life. Do you see that? So we raise the standard. And really, to those who are given, forgiven much, they're going to love much. America would be a great lover of Jesus if they could experience the love of God in this hour. And then number three, it's because we're extremely needy. And God does some things because of his own namesake. I'm so thankful for Devin Friday night reminding us of the deep sense of urgency of the hour. I do that all the time, Devin. Sometimes I feel a little lonely doing that, so I'm so glad you were here doing that. And uh, I just said, hey, good, listen to him. Let him say it. But we're desperate. Hey, you know, we're pretty needy people. We're not the ones that are rich and increased with goods. It's not that we have anything together. We're really blind, miserable, wretched. We need a mighty God to show up in our midst. That's it. We need him, and he is going to be mighty. And uh, it's desperate time 
but He will deliver us. You know, there's some people that think America's beyond hope. There's some people that think, well, He just, He gets us, He's going to come regardless, repentance, whatever. I, I don't know how they think that. Then the others, they don't know what to think. You know what I think? Since I'm standing up here, I get to tell you. Right? Here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think the way the three Hebrew children thought when they're in the midst of this great fiery furnace. And I saw something this morning, and I'm looking at this. It says, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. That was the first thing. Secondly, they said, and he will deliver us from your hand. They realized they weren't under the hand of men. They were under the hand of God. Men were tossing them in that furnace. Almighty God was, and God was with them. They had a greater view of the sovereignty of God, not the sovereignty of man. Man can't do anything beyond what, listen, God is God. And then, and then the, the clincher was, they said, and he will deliver us, but even if he does not, we're not about to serve or bow down to your idols and your gods. So that's what I believe. God can, he's able, and he will deliver me out from man's hand, but even if he doesn't save me out of this furnace, I'm not about to bow to your idols in this hour. And that's where I stand on all that. And then the next thing, revival will come when you, because of the promise. What promise? Well, it's being fulfilled right before our eyes. I will pour out my spirit upon your sons and your daughters, and they shall prophesy. And, and we're just going to dream some dreams, and those guys will tell us what it means. But anyway, it's a great time. It's a promise. Do you remember that Sunday when we stood up and I was declaring this? The Lord had given me four places where he was going to move. Do you remember anybody? See, I can share with you again because you don't remember. <laughs> remember. You should remember. That's why the Word says over and over, remember. Remember. <clears throat> Put me in remembrance. If you don't remember, just remind the Lord. Lord, remember for me because I can't. And he'll help you. He brings all things to your remembrance. Four places. Number one, he's going to move in some very dry places in this hour. Now, there are nations in the earth. There's not been any significant amount of an outpouring of the Spirit in generations. Can I tell you, don't lose hope. Every, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. That means every nation, every region... Every place on the earth has an opportunity to experience a downpour from heaven. And then he's going to pour out his spirit in some very dark places. You know, he's God in the midst of dark. In fact, when we let our light shine in darkness, what happens? The darkness begins to flee. Light doesn't flee. Darkness flees. And then some very dead places. What was the valley of dry bones? They were not only dry, they were Dead. Man, there's some things around America right now. Hey, no way it's going to live again without the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. But because of the resurrecting power, those dead places can rise again. It's because of him. And then right in the middle of some of the devil's places. I like that one the best of all. You know, there are places they say, well, the devil has all authority here. No. All authority has been given unto you, the church. The devil is not some great authority. Now, he's obviously, you know, the God of this world system. 
But anyway, right in the middle of it, the truth is in the, in the midst of every place. And then revivals and outpourings, they do have something to do with the prayers and the sacrifice of people, many of which we will never know their names, the nameless and the faceless. They go and they do great exploits because they've gotten some kind of a dream or vision or burden of the Lord, and they've gone in obedience, and nobody knows who they are. But one day in heaven, there's going to be a book that's going to be open. It's going to be the Acts of the Last Day Church, and you're going to read about people that did great exploits in the last day great move of the Holy Spirit. And some of you are going to have your name written in that book. And we're going to get to read about you. And then some of you, you may never get mentioned. It's not going to be about us being mentioned anyway. Because on that day, we're going to say, God, you, this, you, you, you. You, you, you. You, you, you. You, you. That's all I know to say about that one. I'm going to pass on. I just know there's a hidden seed out there. There's grandmas that have been praying. Tears of blood. Man, somebody prayed for this thing in Kentucky to break out. Somebody prayed. Somebody did something. They said, unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it'll produce much what? Fruit. And then revivals break out where you least expect it. Now, there's been stuff happening over in Wilmore, Kentucky. We read it. We talked about that last week. But I, you know, they weren't necessarily expecting it. I, I saw an interview of the student body president, and she said, uh, the Lord had given us a scripture, and she used that scripture from Habakkuk that God will, will do things, you know, that even if he told you, you wouldn't believe them. If he told you before. Now, I've studied out the context of that, and that's a different, I'll save it for a different day. But the actual meaning means what it says that God will do a work among you of which he had told you before you wouldn't even believe it. Well, that's exactly the scripture we had in Mississippi when revival broke out in South Mississippi. I'm going to tell you one quick story. You get ready, Joshua. You almost ready? We're not in a hurry. Super Bowl's already over. We could care less anyway. The right team won. The prophetic symbol happened again, again, twice, twice. But anyway, we're in Mississippi, and it's the night before we had these scheduled meetings, and we'd been fasting. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, it was a series, long season of fasting. We prayed every day at noon. We prayed through the phone book. We prayed for the Adams, the Alices, the Baldwares, the Boldwill. I mean, every day, all through. You know, even when we got to the K's, it was Kitty's gas station or whatever. I don't know. We prayed for everything. Everything in the phone book. So we're at the end, and I'm praying the night before. And I say, God, how many people should be saved in this, these meetings we're having? And I had a great idea. I thought 50, because we were only a church of 150. If we get 50 people saved, you know what that means. It's a pretty big increase. So I'm saying, God, we pray 50 souls. And it's like the Lord, he's like he put his hand on me, and he said, what are you You've offended me. And I don't know if we can offend God, but it seemed like that to me. He said, you don't ask me for 50. Who do you think I am? You ask me for 1,000. And you tell the church tomorrow, you ask me for that. I said, God, do you realize what they're going to think of me 
If I tell them, we're asking for a thousand souls. We're only 150 folks, God, we don't even have room. What are you going to do? So anyway, I just did what he said. So the next day I got up and I said, we are asking God for 1,000 souls. And they looked at me like I was a little bit, you know, that maybe I needed to go to Charlie's malt shop and spend the rest of the day. But, you know, they, anyway, so we started printing up cards. We started, well, listen, you got to put faith to your prayer. So I got 1,000 cards. By the end, of, listen, it's supposed to last three days. It went three weeks. The cars lined up. They had to have police directing traffic. We turned people away night after night. And I remember one night at the invitation, there were, I had asked the Lord before. I said, God, I pray tonight because I was on a roll. I said, Lord, I asked for 238 people to be saved tonight. Okay, it's the end of the night. They bring me cards. We're counting them up. There's like 197. And I thought, well, that's close. That's close. You know, we'll, we'll take it. No. Somebody runs from the balcony. Wait. Oh, I got some more cards to give you. We added them up. It was 238 people got saved that night. And when it was all said and done, 1,200, I don't remember the exact, but there were over 1,200 people that came to Jesus in a three-week revival in Columbia, Mississippi. And they even put on the front page of the Colombian, whatever it was, God has come to Columbia. And that's what happened. And I'm telling you, God moves in some of the most least expected places. And then seven, revival will happen because of his mercy. Not only because of his mercy, but because he wants to do something far beyond in the world. There's revival, but there's awakening. All right, get ready, Joshua. You guys get ready to come up. Let me show you this. He's going to take it. Then we're going to have ministry around the altar. But I, I want to show you this in the Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Now, this is a great prayer of repentance. And, you know, that's my heart cry. God, we need a move. If I had, you know, I don't know. I mean, God is God. He does what he pleases. But as I read the scripture, we need repentance. The gift of God. We need conviction of sin. Like in the days of old, we read that where men and women would fall on the ground and they would crawl to the altars to get right with God because of the sin. There was a conviction of sin. Well, anyway, Psalm 51, have mercy upon me. Oh, God, David didn't say, God, have mercy upon all those heathens out there. No, have mercy upon me, oh, God. Wash me, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin against you, you only. Behold, verse 5, I was brought forth in iniquity, and it's sin my mother conceived me. Verse 7, purge me, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter as snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. Hide your face from my sin. Blot out all my iniquity. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. How many of you would agree that sounds like revival? When God answers that prayer and there's a restoration, there's a refreshing, there's a renewing. That's what uphold means, refresh. And it speaks of revival. 
Well, what follows revival? Look at the next verse, verse 13. Then, say then. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Did you see that? So what was Asbury all about? To break all the records? Now, that would have been nice, and they did. No, it's so that the fires of revival would begin to spread across the nation and that the people of God revived would then go into a world. You see, the ecclesia, this is where I'm closing it up. The ecclesia, the church, the called out, the assembly. Three things got to remember. Number one, we're called out of the world. Say called out of. Called out. Remember, he said, come out from among them and be ye separate. Okay, so we're called out of the world. Secondly, we're called in Christ. Say, in Christ. So we're called out of the world. We're called in to a relationship, not a religion, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then where are we called to? We're called to go to the world that we came out of. He said, go ye therefore. And to all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all things that I've commanded unto you.